This is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. Today is Wednesday, October the 13th, 2021. It is quickly approaching 10 o'clock in the evening here in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Uh, first off, I'd like to apologize for uh, not being on the air for the last few weeks. I actually did get COVID. Uh, I got COVID a few weeks ago. Uh, it was really, it was pretty a bad fever uh, for about two, maybe three days. And I was real tired for a few days after that. But uh, with the quarantine, I wasn't able to use a microphone. And so I haven't been able to uh, to do the show for a few weeks. So my apologies if you've been following along with the Surrender Novena. I've been really looking forward to getting back at it. So uh, tonight we'll be covering Surrender Novena, day number eight. So as I give the date, October the 13th. It's a significant day for many reasons. Uh, well, for one, I will say on a personal note, it was my uh, father-in-law's birthday, and he he passed away nine years ago. And he was a, he really was a great man, uh, filled with a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, uh, and the, and he was really truly one of these people where the more you got to know him, the more you enjoyed his company, the more the more I I, I really liked him, and that that's not always true with with. Uh, not always true of people. So but that was very much the case where I, or the more I got to know him, the more I really liked him. So I uh, obviously grew to love him. And uh, so I hope, uh, obviously, I, I firmly believe he is in heaven at this point, And he is very, very happy. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell a quick story. When he was passing nine years ago, he actually passed on June 12th, uh, 2012. When he was passing... I was saying the chapel to the divine mercy over him in the hospital. I actually think I had a chance to say it twice uh, before he passed. And one of the great promises, I was, wasn't planning on getting into this tonight, but one of the great promises, let me see if I can pull right up in the uh, diary here. One of the great promises of, the, of, of saying the chaplet is obviously blessings like immediately, right? Immediate mercy and blessings and gifts and peace uh, but also is the reality that what happens, you know, at the end, uh, meaning the end of this life and the beginning of the next. And this is one of the great promises. I believe I'm going to pull it right up here. I'm in the Diary of Divine Mercy. I don't think I've ever read this on the show. Perfect. Okay. It's Diary Notation 811. I want you to hear this. St. Faustino writes, oh, by the way, let me give you, see if I can give you a date. This is December 1936. St. Faustino writes, when I entered my sol- solitude, I heard these words, at the hour of their death, I defend as my own glory every soul that will say this chaplain, or when others say it for the dying person, the pardon is the same. When this chaplain is said by the bedside of a dying person, God's anger is placated unfathomable mercy envelops the soul and the very depths of my tender mercy are moved for the sake of the sorrowful passion of my son. Amen. And we lived that. We had an opportunity to live that. Um, you know, and, and I always tell, it was an amazing story. I actually had the opportunity to give his eulogy. And it was an amazing story because the very next day, Obviously, you know, kind of call, you know, calling out of work, and uh, my wife and I were right over the next day with her, her, you know, her mom, my mother-in-law, and when the mail came, interestingly enough, uh, a piece of mail arrived 
with my father-in-law's name, Paul Radenbush Jr. on it. And it had Jesus in the divine mercy image. And it was a, it was a letter from the Marians of the Immaculate Conception who are the official promoters of the divine mercy message. In other words, we received a piece of mail. The, the day, well, he passed away right after midnight. It was that actual day. Then it was when the mail came, you know, 14 hours later or whatever. And I'm holding a piece of mail as I bring it in, giving it to my mother-in-law with my father-in-law's name on it, with Jesus in the divine mercy image, depicted as you see Jesus with his right hand raised in blessing, his left hand pointed at his sacred heart with the blood and the water pouring forth, where it says, Jesus, I trust in you. And at that moment, I just knew, you know, I, everything went well. <laughs> you know, one thing Jesus says is, no soul that is called upon my mercy has been disappointed or brought to shame. So I have every reason to believe everything went well. We weren't, we weren't disappointed, right? So my father, so happy birthday uh, to my father-in-law. Happy birthday, dad. I hope that you are, I know you're happy and thank you for your prayers. We really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, being such a kind and gracious and loving father-in-law. Today is also from the, the, the broader sense, speaking in terms of the church, 104 years ago, something special happened today. Do you know what that was? Do you know what it is? This has been 1917. So October 13th, 1917. I know I can, I can see some hands being raised uh, in my mind's eye right now. And yes, this was during the Fatima apparitions. May 13th, June 13th, July 13th, August 13th, September 13th, and then October 13th is known as the miracle of the sun. And I'm gonna, these were the Fatima apparitions. This is when our Blessed Mother Mary appeared to the three children at Fatima, Portugal during these times. And every apparition built, built momentum. It built momentum. It built momentum. And people had become, it was becoming a phenomenon in Fatima, Portugal at the time. So I'm going to read to you. My, my wife is a Catholic school teacher, and she read this this morning in her class. And I, I felt compelled. I said, it doesn't matter how old you are. This is a great story. Uh, so let me, let me read what happened then on October 13th, 1917, The Miracle of the Sun. 104 years ago. I'm reading this, by the way, from the book, Behold Your Mother. This is actually from the Sophia Institute for Teachers. I don't see a specific author but I, I do know that it is a, uh, specifically made for um, teaching about our Blessed Mother in the Catholic school system. So it reads Our Lady of Fatima. And I'm going to go right to the, to the part about October 13th. Well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me do a quick lead in. I'm reading directly from the book. Lucia told the other two children to keep silent about the apparitions. But Jacinta was only seven. She could not contain her joy. She told her mother all about Our Lady. And soon the whole town heard about the apparitions. The children visited the Kova every month. Our Lady told them to pray for sinners. She showed them a frightening vision of hell where poor sinners go. Many because no one prayed for them. Every month crowds followed the children. No one could see Our Lady. But some saw a strange light, others a great cloud. Our Lady promised the children that in October... She would perform a miracle so that, so that others would believe. On October 13th, 
1917, when October came, thousands of pilgrims visited the Kova on that day, October 13th, 1917, to see Our Lady's promised miracle. Even though it was raining and water soaked the ground, Our Lady appeared and asked for a chapel to be built at the Kova. She told them that she was Our Lady of the Rosary and that they should pray the Rosary every day. Then she lifted her hand up to the dark sky. The sun burst through the clouds, shining and spinning like a silver disc. The crowd gasped as the sun spun and danced. Suddenly it seemed to fall from the sky, and the people shrieked and fell to their knees. They thought the world was ending. The sun returned to the sky, and the people found that the soaked earth was now completely dry. While all this was happening, the children saw a different vision. Jesus, Joseph, and visions of Our Lady of Sorrows and of Carmel appeared, and Jesus blessed the whole world with the sign of the cross. Today, Fatima is a famous pilgrimage site that spreads Mary's message to pray the rosary for the conversion of sinners and peace in the world. The feast day of Our Lady of Fatima is May 13th, which of course is the first apparition. So October 13th is when that miracle of the sun occurs. Now, I'll add this in. Uh, this book doesn't doesn't cover this, but I've done my own research on it. And you know what's interesting is I think I saw, it's been a couple of years since I did my research on it. I think it was about 70,000 people were there. I mean, it was tens of thousands of people. But what's also interesting is that by this point, momentum had built where there were actually journalists there, reporters and photographers, those that were not necessarily uh, there for, for pure reasons or reasons of faith, but rather just to investigate. And that's, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not, not judging them. I'm just, my point is very simply is that uh, they were there with their journalistic integrity. And that was their objective. And everyone agreed on what they saw. No one could deny what happened. Those are the facts in terms of the sun bouncing and, and all, all of these things. Obviously, only the, the, you know, the, the children could see our Blessed Mother, but no one could deny what had happened with the sun. It was the miracle of the sun, and others did come to believe. And to this day, the Fatima apparitions are arguably the most famous and influential of all of Mary's apparitions throughout time. Our Lady of Guadalupe are clearly up there, the miraculous metal apparitions. There's there's quite a few. Uh, I'm not going to go down the list, but I do want to make note that being that today is October 13th, 104 years ago on this day, that happened. That is so cool. So let me shift gears for just a moment now. I want to get more into the, uh, the reality of the surrender novena day number eight. Of course, the nine-day novena, you're more than welcome to, to search it online. I do advise using the website catholicexchange.com. I'll say that again, catholicexchange.com. I verified it. All the information is accurate. Obviously, there's many other sites that are accurate as well. Do not misunderstand me, but I just want to make sure that the, the information that you are using for the prayer is accurate. When I say accurate, I'm referring to what Jesus gave to Padre Delindo who was the spiritual director for then Padre Pio. And let me begin with this. And we actually just came from our Divine Mercy prayer group just about an hour or so ago, two hours ago we got home. We have a, a very kind woman. Everybody in the Divine Mercy group prayer group is very kind. But one, one woman in particular uh, gives a very, very, uh, I love her prayer intentions. And she gives the prayer intention that, and let me make sure I, I get this right. For those, I wrote it down, for those in physical, sp spiritual, mental, and emotional prisons 
that they would be released, that they would be freed, that they would be liberated. You know, and, and I want you to think about that for a second. Sometimes I, I, I wonder, um, in order to truly appreciate freedom in some way capacity, perhaps someone has had to have felt that type of imprisonment of, of one of the four that, that this woman mentions. I think that, see, when I wrote the book, when I started the podcast, Jesus Only Speaks the Truth, I, I wrote uh, an entire chapter entitled, Jesus Only Speaks the Truth. And, you know, famously, we all have heard the saying, the truth shall set you free. And I didn't know for many, many years, and I don't think, I don't think everybody knows that it was Jesus himself that said that, that the truth shall set you free. That's one of his most, probably in terms of even, uh, you know, in mainstream America, in the mainstream world we live in, the secular world, I'll even say, that that's probably one of his most quotable lines. He's quite a few uh, that, are, that are quotable by, you know, even secular standards. And that, that, I would say that that's arguably one of the top ones. But what does it mean? Right? What does what does that really mean? As a matter of fact, I wasn't even planning on doing this, but I'm, I'm going to read a bit of what I wrote in that book, uh, Jesus Only Speaks the Truth, and what this is exactly what I did write. So uh, let me jump right in. For years, I heard people say, the truth shall set you free. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know who said it. I found it frustrating because I heard it so often, and I really didn't know how the truth could set me free. I originally thought... It meant we need to accept our weaknesses and faults. In other words, I thought it meant accepting less than the best. That doesn't sound like much fun, does it? Jesus told us to spread the good news. Does that sound like good news? What does Jesus mean by, by what does Jesus mean by this? The truth shall set you free. Jesus is telling us that his word is the truth. That changes everything because his word can cause change change is the opposite of acceptance therefore it is the word of god that sets us free i've heard it said many times that the truth hurts i think the truth heals jesus is the truth and only speaks the truth that means that anything that contradicts his words anything that contradicts his words in any way is well by definition it's a lie it's at least it's at least to some extent untrue. Let me let me pause on there for right right there because I think that's the point I want to make is that the reality that we accept God's will. That's what we accept. That's what we submit to. That is what Jesus is calling us to submit to or to accept, right? What does that mean? Well, Jesus said in the Diary of I Mercy when we submit to his will Jesus pours a sea of blessings upon us. He fills us with the Holy Trinity, and he gives us more than we can even desire. Now, we're accepting God's will, but by accepting God's will, what does that mean? Many times, to some extent, in some way, capacity, it means there's change that's coming. Change. And that's also, see, another very famous and quotable line by Jesus is, Ask and you shall receive. Now, it's true that the request has to be in accordance with God's will. We find that out. But the point, and this is what Father Jacob John, a, pre, a local priest that we have said, you know, Jesus never lets you walk away empty-handed. 
Jesus never lets you walk away empty-handed. If you ask him for something, you're going to get something. You may not get exactly what you asked for. You may get something totally different. You may not even fully understand what you've received. But you're going to walk away with something. And you're going to walk away consoled. You're going to walk away with some happiness. And you might get more than what you've asked for. That happens too. You might get something totally different. You might get. You might have to wait for what it is that you're asking for. But there are times I've gotten more than what I've asked for. There's times I've gotten uh, I've gotten something totally different, and that made me even happier than what I thought I would have got. I, I, I was asking for. You get the point. And that's what this surrender novena is all about: is we're we're submitting, accepting God's will. Which, if God see God's will is the truth, and that is when freedom occurs. That is when liberation occurs. See, what bondage is, the opposite of freedom, by the way, is, of course, bondage, right? We're, we have our men's program, That Man Is You, and we're, we're, this, this, these last few weeks have been about the, you know, bondage. Sin leads to bondage. Um, obedience to God leads to freedom. I'm obviously getting right to the points on these. But the point that I am making is that, that when I say... The truth heals. Let, let me let me make sure I'm very clear on this. So when I say that the truth heals, what I'm really referring to is the fact that Jesus heals. Jesus is the truth. See, Jesus says in Scripture that He actually is the truth, right? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says that. Jesus says that he is, so there by definition, everything, his word is truth. And when I say that the truth heals, what I mean is, see, sometimes, sometimes people submit to lies. They submit to deceit. They think they're submitting to the truth, but in actuality, they're actually not. And that's sometimes why people get so flustered with the idea of acceptance, because they're not fully, maybe they, you have to understand this about the world. Okay, so when, when going to the diary of divine mercy, to see the words of Jesus are true, so let's use those as our anchors. When Jesus first begins to appear to St. Faustina and she's having difficulty with the reality of what's happening, Jesus is appearing to her. This is a sister. She's shocked. And Jesus says to her, when, when she says, like, are you just an illusion? What is going on here? Jesus says, my love deceives no one. And of course, he goes on to appear to her for many years after that as well, and hundreds, about a hundred times or so, physically. So he says, my love deceives no one. And I go back to that because, see, Jesus is the truth. His love deceives no one. Who's the deceiver? You can fill in the blank. It says in the Gospel of St. John that the thief comes to destroy, right? The thief comes to destroy uh, and Jesus goes on to say, I'm paraphrasing some extent, but then Jesus goes on to say, I came that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. What does that mean? It means we're liberated. It's a sign of, it's a sense of freedom. See, when I was in a men's a prayer group, men's prayer group, many years, even when finishing college, and when we reinstated our group, I guess we kind of had a, we reunited for a while, uh, many of us. And our leader was still the same man by the name of Mr. Minnick. And one of his powerful prayers he began every prayer session with, or almost every one, I believe, was he would say, Lord Jesus, please expose the lies of the enemy and let us see the truth. 
in the most merciful way possible. So I ask that for this audience. I ask that for myself right now. Lord Jesus, please expose the lies that we've been told. Please expose all those lies. And please let each one of us see the truth in the most merciful way possible. And I ask this, Lord Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Now, by saying that, what I mean is this. You may, listen, Jesus says, asking you shall receive. In some way, shape, or form, you're going to have some lies exposed to you soon. Now, you're going to see deceit. And see, that's another thing is that deceit, it's not always, there's like part, sometimes it's partial lies, right? Half-truths is what they're called. And what you're going to see when you pray in that way is you're going to see Jesus begin to expose the lies. And you're going to start to hear the truth, see the truth, understand the truth. And that's when you're going to start to receive freedom. And that's when you start to understand that the truth shall set you free. And see, that's why there has to be in this world, there has to be an anchor of truth. And Jesus tells us that 2,000 years ago, that he is the truth. So when, whenever somebody says, what do you think of this? What do you think X? What do you think Y? What do you think Z? I have to ask myself, and I urge you to get in the habit as well, to say, well, what did Jesus say about X, Y, or Z? Right? And we apply to the best of our ability the teachings of Jesus to the question. Now, if the question, if Jesus never addressed the question in Scripture, what do I do then? What I do then is I say, what does the Catholic Church teach on this issue? Now, why do I say that? Because in the Gospel of St. Matthew, I believe it's chapter 16, I talk about this often. This is where Jesus starts a church upon St. Peter. And he says that the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against this church. Jesus also says, whatever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's giving him the keys to the kingdom. He's giving St. Peter the keys to the kingdom. And he's saying, upon you, I build my church. I build my church upon you. Now, respectfully, I do ask, what church was founded at that time? It's the Catholic Church. Jesus said the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Can't be broken. Can't be destroyed. Now, are there at times, yes, have there been sinners within the church? Yes, of course, great sinners within the church. But it doesn't break the credibility of the church. It doesn't break the, 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 the continuity of the church. It doesn't, so that's the church. So the question I'm, I'm, I'm going to make, uh, the, then I ask myself, what does the church say on this issue? What does the church say about abortion? What does the church say about whatever, uh, you know, marriage, you, you know, um, you fill in the blank and that, and so that's the truth. And I tell the truth. And so in other words, my point to somebody asked me a question, I just respond with the truth. That's the, that's, it's not my opinion. And people are like, what do you, what do you mean? You, you have a claim on that. I don't have a claim on the truth. Jesus does. I'm just repeating what he says. Now people then say, well, how do you know he spoke the truth? I said, well, there's quite a few, quite a few ways. I did a whole chapter on the facts of Christianity. I have done messages on the, on the facts of Christianity. But in the most simplistic form, I'll pose this to you. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you what. I was not planning on even getting into this tonight, but I will. I'm going to pull up the book right here. 
I'll read a couple of the key indisputable facts regarding Christianity. Just a few, because I, I honestly, I, I want to make sure I do get to the surrender novena. But there's a few important facts that, that, are, that are critical. The first fact is that Jesus existed. He existed. Remember this, we began actually counting years when Jesus was born. I mean, that's the whole reality. This man, this God-man. Now, God-man is the fact. And the simple, if you want to just talk uh, in the natural terms, when this, this man was so influential, we formed the calendar around him. That's a fact. I say, how do you, how do you know he existed? Well, I know because the Gospels of Jesus are actually biographies on his life. There's a lot of information on that. I don't have enough time to get into that right now, but I will also say this, and this is important. I'll keep this real quick tonight on the, in terms of the facts. I'm going to get right into the Novena. There are many, many secular writings, non-Christian writings, that were written at the time of Jesus that describe his historical value, his existence. His, they actually describe his uh, do his his uh, I believe it's pronounced um, Josephus. I believe it's pronounced. Pardon me, uh, a very famous Jewish historian, and I have it written in the book too. And I, I apologize if I mispronounced it. Um, but he he talks about the existence of Jesus, that he was a doer of mar of marvelous deeds, and he talks about his his death and his and the fact that this this movement lived on well past the death of Jesus. And it, it, meaning at the time, it was still living. It was still growing. Uh, is it pronounced Pliny the Younger? Pliny the Younger writes the same types of things, the same, the same reality. Proof, my point is it proves the existence of Jesus. These, these historians are proving the existence of Jesus. Why is that important? Because, well, sometimes that's the argument. Is, well, how do we even know? Well, he did. Check, check, the, check the facts. Check the history. So Jesus exists. He existed. That is a huge point. Um, he worked miracles. Those same secular, those same secular uh, writings describe he was a doer of marvelous deeds. That's why people were following him. Now, I believe he worked the miracles because he he was God. He had the power of God. Um, his enemies said he was doing other things, but there was no doubt that he was curing he was curing the sick and he was uh, giving sight to the blind. Those are indisputable facts at the time. He was a doer of marvelous deeds. Jesus was crucified and killed. Uh, and buried. I mean, again, secular historians are are reinforcing this. And here's the last point I'm going to get to right now. And now I need to get into because I, I, otherwise it's going to get too much into these facts here. But the you know if we were to go visit where if we were to go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, a man so famous that we were, we we changed our calendar, our changed our to based on his life. A man so famous that historians wrote about him. If we wanted to go visit his tomb, like we can do with anybody else who was famous at that time, where would we go? Especially a tomb that was meant to be guarded by Roman guards. Where would we go? Where's the tomb? Where would we visit his body and bones? There's no place. There's a place we can see where he was buried, a place where you see where he was crucified. There's a place we can say see that, but we can't we can't actually see his body and bones. We can't visit that. Why? Well, we, we can visit St. Peter's, right? In Rome. Uh, we can visit all kinds of historical people. We can visit their tombs. 
We can't visit the tomb of Jesus Christ. His body and bones don't, they don't exist on earth in the, in, the, in the way of being buried in a tomb. I say that because when he appears to people, his, I would imagine his body and bones are with him. I would think. I, I don't fully know how that exactly works with the bones being there, too. I, I would guess so. Would make sense to me. Yes, we raised body bones. Yes, of course. I want to make that clear. Yeah, of course he would be ready. He'd be standing there with Saint Faustina, body and bones, and of course he has the ability to uh, do anything. So who knows exactly in the way that the images will be done as well. So I, there's so much there that, that, quite frankly, I don't fully understand. The fact remains: the fact Jesus existed. He worked miracles. He was crucified and buried. We can't visit his body and bones. And all the people that wrote these biographies that are known as the Gospels gave their lives for this. And then, I, and I heard a, a lot of this before. You know, this argument. This is not uh, my exclusive argument. This has been done many times by theologians, and it's a historical case. But one thing that I like to put on, and, I, and I'm sure other historians of uh, theologians. I'm not a theologian, nor am I technically a historian. But, but what they've done is put their their their. You know, I, I think. This may be original to me. I may have heard this somewhere else. If I have, I honestly forget. But people say, well, how do you know they didn't lie? Well, would you go to your death for a lie? 11 out of 12 and the four, all four, of well, three of the four gospel writers, John, St. John, of course, is exiled. Uh, they tried to kill him, couldn't poison him, so they just kicked him out. But the, so they basically all four give their lives for this reality that they saw Jesus, they're working miracles in the name of Jesus. And then the reality of this, people say, well, I know they just make it up and they were just crazy and they just died for it anyway. Well, I think eventually you just have to start to use common sense. And that's where I'm at with, with, with that. But the point I'm making also is that let's also look at Saul, who then becomes St. Paul. And then I'm going to get into Serena Novena. Saul is killing Christians. He's rounding them up to be persecuted, to be killed. Then he has a direct encounter with Jesus. He's blinded, knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. Blinded for three days. Jesus gives him his vision back and Saul becomes Saint Paul, becomes Paul and he becomes one of the greatest missionaries this church has ever known. I believe, I didn't double check my information, wasn't planning on discussing this. I believe he gave his life too. Right? I believe he was a martyr. Almost certain of that. But, he, but the point I'm making is, why do, you, why do you make that change? Why do you do that? If it's not, for the, unless you had that experience. So, the truth is based on facts. And that's why I wanted to highlight some of those facts. And like I said, like I said, why Jesus says, the truth shall set you free. Obviously, I can, I can hear some questions coming up metaphorically i can hear some uh, in, in my mind's eye as i did earlier as well but allow me now just in, in my closed point with regards to the truth setting is free jesus wants to liberate you he wants to liberate us and set us free and stop living in a physical or a mental or emotional or a spiritual prison you're, if you feel like that, you're not getting out on your own. Now, if you're in a physical prison, obviously there's going to be a different, a different situation. But I believe it is St. Paul of all people. I believe he was imprisoned 
And he was thrilled. He was still so happy. He was filled with the joy of Jesus Christ. And, you know, if someone, someone could be, they could be in this million dollar, multi-million dollar mansion. But if they don't have Jesus in their heart, they're not going to be free. Versus someone who could be in a physical prison. But maybe they've discovered Jesus. They have Jesus in their heart. They could be joyful. Because here's the thing about that person waiting in the in the mansion, the multimillionaire waiting in the man. If they don't have Jesus in their heart, there's a vacuum and something else will get in there. And that something else seeks to destroy, right? That's what the thief seeks to destroy. So that person cannot, by definition of it, if he or she doesn't have Jesus in his or her heart, cannot be, cannot be happy. So Jesus wants to liberate you. And I want you to hear this Surrender Novena Day, number eight. We're all, by the way, we're all, I'm a work in progress. Complete and total work in progress. When I say Jesus wants to liberate you, he wants to liberate me too completely. I'm sure I'm not totally and utterly liberated in the ways that the Lord would like to see me liberated. I'm not sure any of us really are on this earth. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe some are, I don't know. But what I do know is this. Jesus only speaks the truth. Let's take Jesus at his word. Surrender novena, day number eight. Please join me in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mother, I am yours now and forever. Through you and with you, I always want to belong completely to Jesus. Amen. The Surrender Novena. This is our Lord Jesus speaking to Padre Delindo, who, of course, was the spiritual director for Padre Pio. The Surrender Novena is approved by the Catholic Church. Day number eight, the Lord Jesus says, Close your eyes and let yourself be carried away on the flowing current of my grace. Close your eyes and do not think of the present. Turning your thoughts away from the future, just as you would from temptation. Repose in me, believing in my goodness, and I promise you, by my love, that if you say, Jesus, you take care of it. I will take care of it all. I will console you liberate you and guide you oh jesus i surrender myself to you take care of everything oh jesus i surrender myself to you take care of everything oh jesus i surrender myself to you take care of everything Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Oh, Jesus, I surrender 
myself to you. Take care of everything. We love you and we thank you. Lord Jesus, amen. We love you and we thank you. Lord Jesus, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks be to God, amen. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. This is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast. Thank you for listening, folks. Have a blessed night.